So in New Jersey, nobody gets appointed to anything, judges, prosecutors, cabinet members, without going through the Senate Judiciary Committee. Nick Scatari is the longest serving judiciary chairman in state history, one of the most powerful people in Trenton. Senator, how are you? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being on. And it, you were one of the first legislators to advocate for the legalization of adult use marijuana. Uh, where does legal cannabis stand right now? Well, I was absolutely the first. In fact, they looked at me like I had three heads on my shoulder when I first talked about it, when I first got in the legislature. But the status of it right now is it's passed. It's now it's, it's somewhere in between being illegal and legal right now. So it's no longer uh, an offense that you can be arrested for. It's decriminalized for those purposes. But we don't yet have legal marijuana for adult use sales in New Jersey. That's just being formulated now. So even with a uh, a, a referendum that passed by by a, a was a two to one margin, it's it's it was, I guess yeah. the devil's in the details, huh? Well, we did get the legislation passed. It wasn't without uh, difficulties. That took us probably close to three months to get that done, uh, even though we knew it was coming. But uh, now it's in the hands of regulators who have been now seated and appointed. And the Cannabis Regulatory Commission has now begun its important work of framing out what a legal market in New Jersey is going to look like for marijuana sales. And I'm speaking with Senator Nick Scatari. Senator, I listened to Justice Lee Solomon's confirmation hearing before your committee this week. You you raised the question of courtroom experience for judicial nominees. So so it's clear you're thinking about, you know, at least at least over the next few years, it's it's several uh, Supreme Court seats coming up. Uh, Governor Murphy's nominated two young judicial candidates. Uh, How important is experience? Well, I hope that uh, in the future, because we do have those people on the on the on the, the New Jersey Supreme Court now, people that do have some idea of what most lawyers in our communities do. Most people that ever have interaction with lawyers, maybe for municipal court, maybe for their house closing, maybe perhaps if they've been divorced or if they've been injured at work or been injured in a car accident. That's what most lawyers that people deal with do. And some, and and I would like to at least see some representation on the court of what those lawyers deal with on a day-to-day basis, not to mention the fact lawyers that are in court on a regular basis, trying cases, making motions, having argument. I think that that's an important experience in being on the court, at least represented by at least at least one voice. So there's a balance, I guess, between somebody I mean, young with brains and, and the ideology the governor wants in the court and maybe the possibility of serving 20, 30 years and, and somebody who's got real, you know, hands-on legal experience, I guess. I, I, I agree with that statement. I mean, the, the appointments that the governor is going to make, the nominations that we're going to oversee the confirmation, these are some of the most important things that we're going to do in our lifetimes as elected officials. Uh, and in New Jersey, as you probably already know, it's one of the few states in our country that actually, what I, in my opinion, does it right through a nomination and confirmation process. I think it's 43 other states that actually elect their judges. I just don't feel as though that's the right way to go. But, yeah, absolutely, it's a balancing act, and uh, hopefully we'll find that right balance. So w- Governor Murphy's nominated Rachel Wayner after to fill an open seat on the court. She's she's 40 years old. She was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's law clerk. She uh, holds a, 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 a top position department at, uh, at the Division of Criminal Justice or Division of Civil Rights. Uh, will she be confirmed? 
Well, that still remains to be seen. Uh, that's why we have the process. So I can't, I can't prejudge that. I can't even give a prediction right at this point. Uh, that process has just begun. The nomination's been made. It's now public. Uh, the vetting process is at the very beginning. Um, and, you know, I certainly think she has a high likelihood, but that's really, that's really remains to be seen. Do you feel that there'll be a hearing in time to, if she is going to be confirmed, to have her on the court in time for the uh, the opening of this session on September first? Uh, that I, I can't say that that's going to happen or it isn't. Uh, and we we certainly have seen our share of times when the court wasn't fully seated, and one of the most senior members will be brought up uh, in that in the case if that doesn't occur. But, you know, if someone's going to serve up to 30 years and perhaps, you know, I don't think a few months here or there is going to make that big of a difference, quite frankly. So, Senator Scutari, I mean, we're, I'm talking to Nicholas Scutari. He's the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. So uh, after Rachel Wayne or after, well, the governor will have appointed two very young justices. Forty is is young for the court. Is is that is that hitting the cap for him? Is that the limit on people that might serve 30 years? I, I, I guess we'd have to ask him. I don't think we know who he's looking at. If he gets reelected, he's fortunate enough to get reelected. He may pick a few more. And so we're, I certainly want to work uh, closely with them in the selection process just to make sure, that, as we spoke about earlier, that that balance is achieved, that we have uh, not just super young, super smart people. And I think those are the people that he's already selected, uh, but people that have been in court that have that experience of trying cases, that have that experience of handling clients. Uh, so they have real-world experience as well. And not to say that they don't have that, uh, but some of the people that are going to be coming off the court because of mandatory retirement are, are, are really experienced in those ways. And one of the things I hear, I hope I don't embarrass you by saying this, but I hear this from sure. Democrats and Republicans on your committee, senators on your committee. Uh, whether they agree with you or not, they say nobody can run a confirmation process better than Nick Scatari. So, well, so, thank you. I, uh, that, that's kind of whoever said that. I appreciate it. I try to run a fair and balanced hearing. I try to give everybody an opportunity, but I want to make sure it runs efficiently and we move it forward. And let me say to you, if anybody that's involved or wants to be involved or know anything about state and local politics, they should be looking at uh, the New Jersey Globe website. Well, I think you do a fantastic job in writing those articles. Thank you very much. And So you meet with every judicial nominee before their confirmation. You, I guess I guess you can't be a judge without coming to, to meet Senator Scutari uh, at your office for an interview. Without giving away too many trade secrets, what happens in that room? You know, we, I try to get to know people on a more personal basis. I want to know where they're from, what their life experiences are. I mean, outside of what we see in the paper, you know, in the application, in the resume, in the background information. Uh, I like to see who these people are. I like to see people that have empathy for uh, for for life and for, for humanity and for our citizens, because that's what we're dealing with. Uh, when Even at the Supreme Court level, we're dealing with issues that affect people's lives directly. And uh, so we like to try to get to know them uh, on a more personal basis to see what kind of people that they are. So what happens? I mean, I would imagine it's got to happen from time to time. A, a candidate for judge or prosecutor leaves your office and you, you, you tone to you turn to Tony Texera and you say, wow, this one's a real loser. What, what do you do? <laughs> it's not easy, <laughs> but it does happen. You're right. It, it, does, it has happened more than once over my many years there. And I hate to date myself because I, I still think I'm one of the younger people down there. But uh, yeah, you are 52. Happen. You are most definitely one of the younger guys there. <laughs> 
but it's a, it's an ugly. It's not easy, you know. You gotta you put yourself in these positions, and yet you, you have to take that responsibility seriously, which I certainly do. And you gotta have some uncomfortable conversations, unfortunately, sometimes because that's the process. Sometimes not everybody's gonna make it, and uh, and 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 hopefully, and it's most of the time. With by the time they get to me, they're, they've they're they're decent for the most part. Uh, but sometimes it does happen, and we've got to make a call. Uh, and whether it is to the local senator that's referred them there, or whether it's to the governor's office directly to tell them that this isn't going to happen, and it's never, it's never received that well. I can tell no, you that. sure. <laughs> I, I'm speaking with Senator Nicholas Katari, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and Senator. In, in 1947, the men—and I say the men because there were no women in the room—the men who wrote the current state constitution included a mandatory retirement age of judges of 70. And that was 74 years ago. Things have changed a lot since then. Does does a retirement age of 70 still make sense? You know, I, I, let me say, the, the, the people that were in that room in 1947 did a magnificent job in, 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 in the way in which that we operate here in New Jersey in our judicial selection process, plus all the other things that they dealt with in the Constitutional Convention. So I still marvel at what they did. But you're right. I mean, 70 now is not 70 then. And myself and, and I think Senator Bateman and I have worked on some bipartisan uh, legislation. And it has to be more than legislation. It has to be a constitutional amendment to change that. Because, yeah, there's certainly some very, very strong 70-year-old that could definitely serve longer. But there's got to be some checks and balances, in my opinion. If we're going to change that, we've got to make sure that uh, there is a check and a balance as to you know, their, their legal acumen and their intellectual level at the age of 70. Because I just can't imagine that you're going to be sharper at 70 than you are at 60, but maybe you're just as and you probably could still serve well. So we're looking at that, and I think it's certainly worth a look. And, and as I said earlier, you're, you've been chairman of the Judiciary Committee for longer than anyone in state history, and you're you know you're you're still just 52. It's, you know, for those those you know on the radio listening to you on the radio, they can't see you, but you're 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 a young guy, especially by New Jersey Senate standards. Uh, but that takes a lot to to last that long at judiciary. Some of you, you have two groups of constituents, right? I mean, you have your constituents in Union County that you represent, and you have, you have a group of constituents who are state senators. How do you, how do you manage some of the big asks from your colleagues? Uh, you know, I've got a great Senate president, and uh, Senate President Sweeney has been a partner of mine ever since I've been in the legislature. And, uh, you know, it, it's a trust factor, and, uh, and it's a reputational factor, I think, over the years. Uh, I, I try to keep my word. I try not to lie <laughs> and just try to do what I think is best for the people in New Jersey and for our, our senators and our people in, in Union County. So it's you can do it. It's uh, Sometimes it's trying when there's a lot of deadlines that people want you to make, whether it's asks from the executive branch or other members of the caucus. But uh, we try to put it all together. And that's one of the things I've, I've noticed about you on deadlines is, is you can handle anything. You just you just don't want it thrown up against you at the last minute. That's true. I'd hate that. <laughs> You've made that very you clear to everybody, Senator. If you don't do your homework, the process is meaningless. So uh, we want to keep that process meaningful because that's what the people of New Jersey deserve. So I, I have a last question for you. It's, it's, it's the question everybody hates, but I'll ask it to you anyway. Uh, uh, one way or the other, Democrats will be shopping for a candidate for governor in 2025. Whether, whether Mur- Governor Murphy wins this election or not, they'll need a new candidate. Is, is there any chance that you'll run for governor? You never say never. You never know. I'm not getting any younger, so who knows? But we'll see what the landscape looks like at that point in time. I really enjoy what I do right now, but, you know, we'll see. 
And you never, you just, you never know, right? I mean, you never, you can never predict anything because it's Jersey. That's what, that's what keeps it, it, it fun. You don't want to foreshadow or forestall anything like that. But uh, as you said, we're going to be looking for a new candidate in a few years. So we'll see where that is. Well, Senator Nicholas Katari, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, thank you again for joining me. It's, it's always fun to talk to you. David, a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thanks so thank much. Thank you.